You're listening to A Journey with Chris and American English. English as a dramatic language is today's episode. Before we start, I have one quick announcement. I have been doing these language tips for the past couple weeks to see how good they are, how popular they are among my listeners, and I have seen that they are quite popular. And because of that, I have decided to create a podcast just for these tips. This means that I will end up deleting these episodes from this podcast and moving them to my new podcast. If you are more interested in the language learning tips, then please subscribe to my new podcast. I will include the link in the description. If you are more interested in the main episodes, like the ones we're doing today, then please feel free to stay subscribed to this podcast. Nothing else will change for you. However, you are more than welcome to subscribe to my new podcast. Because it is very new, it might not show up in Apple Podcasts right away, so please give it a few days. With that being said, let's begin. If you've been listening for the past couple of weeks, you'll notice that I've been alternating between language history and modern English. So how is English spoken in the U.S.? What are some ways we can get involved with the modern form of English? And what did English look like in the past? We talked about where English comes from. So Old English, Middle English, Early Modern English, and modern English. We also talked about the influence of French on English and how that is still a thing. We also talked about how Latin and Greek influenced early modern English and how it still influences English because of the scientific community. You will be forgiven in thinking that French and English are directly related, like brothers and sisters or thinking that Spanish and English, or English and Portuguese, or English and Italian are directly related. And while yes, they are related because they are European languages, and all European languages from German, French, Russian, Croatian, Italian, and so on, that they all share a common ancestry, there are some languages that are more related to others. For example, Greek and Albanian and Armenian are what are called language isolates, which means they have no other languages in their branch that are related to them. Whereas Spanish and French are related because they both come from the Latin language. Now, why am I telling all this? The simple fact is that the Germanic properties of English often get neglected or they are not really given the attention that they deserve because they are somewhat smothered by the Latin and French aspects that have become a part of the English language. So what are some ways that we can see how English is a Germanic language? There's a very simple tip that does not only apply to English, but it applies to other languages as well. The easiest way is to basically 
examine the very basic vocabulary of a language. Now, what is considered to be basic? Things like numbers, so one, two, and three, basic numbers, not a million or a billion. Those are often imported from other languages like Latin or Greek. You can look at familial relationships, so brothers and sisters and stuff like that. You can examine nature, so trees, animals. If you examine things like these and compare two languages, you'll often see where they overlap and where they diverge. With German, this is pretty obvious. If we take some of the examples I just said, so for example, mother in German would be Mutter. <clears throat> or if I take, for example, father, in German it would be Vater. And you see right there, or rather you hear, how similar these languages are. How similar German and English are. There are some other aspects of the language that aren't as obvious. German has what is called a case system. So nominative, accusative, dative, and genitive. What does this mean? Basically, how a word is used in a sentence is marked. If it is the subject, it would be a nominative. It is, if it is the direct object, it would be the accusative. If it is the indirect object, it would be the dative. And if it is possessive, then it would be genitive. We're not going to get into the specifics of how you would actually use this in German because that is not the focus. But rather, it is to illustrate that this is a feature that was present in Old English. But it got lost um, around the Middle Ages. So, obviously around Middle English is when this basically started to die off. And by the time of Shakespeare, it was a feature of the language that was no longer present. It was not really used. And maybe you can still find these in modern expressions, but for the most part, they aren't actually a fixed part of the language like they are for German. German and English are definitely related, but both of them are also related to other languages and actually directly. So they're related to Afrikaans, which is spoken in South Africa, and Dutch which is spoken in the Netherlands and in Belgium and in parts of Luxembourg, I believe. So these are all languages that are some more or less directly related. You can consider them siblings, if you will. I found this to be extremely interesting and extremely useful when I was learning German because it helped me see my own language for for what it was and to see the parallels between both languages and that made me even more motivated to figure out how these languages came about how are they related and how are they still related modern german has still retained a lot of what english had a couple hundred years ago actually sorry more than a couple hundred years ago so over a thousand years ago, but that too has slowly become more simplified over time. 
and a lot of modern German speakers have started to kind of skip over a lot of these grammatical elements that I just talked to you about with nominative and accusative. And this is proof that languages become less complex over time. I don't want to say simple, but they become less complex because they have fewer elements in them, basically, is what I'm trying to say. One last note for this section is the syntax. German syntax is very different than English syntax. English syntax follows the SVO principle, which means subject, verb, object. So something like, I see the man, or I eat an apple. This would be a basic SVO. There are some ways in English to change this. So if you make a question, for example, you would say something like, have you a dog? Or um, can you go? Then it would be VSO and not SVO. German has this too, but in German, you're a lot more flexible. So in German, you could say something like, I see a dog or dog see I. And the reason why you can do this is because of what I said before with accusative and dative. There are these case markers that allow you to see what a what an element what what the function of an element is in a sentence basically. And that's one of the beauties of German in my opinion. English doesn't really have this. It like I said, it lost these features over a thousand years ago. Which, on the one hand, makes me sad because it would be very interesting to see what that would look like in modern English. On the other hand, it makes the English language very approachable for people who want to pick up a new language. So, last week, there were a few tips that I had presented you with. And the most popular one was about how to be your own conversation partner. And this is something that has been very beneficial to me personally because I am a very shy, introverted person and I tend to shy away from social contact. I'm not really a social butterfly, but if you don't practice something, there's no way for you to get better at it. And the best way to get good at a language is, of course, to practice it. And there are four main skills that you have to practice. So listening, speaking, reading, and writing. And these two fall into active and passive abilities. Active abilities can only be, well, honed if you do them actively. Passive abilities, obviously, are, are abilities that are improved through passive contact with the language. So listening to the radio, for example, or reading a book. By being your own conversation partner, you are able to improve the flow of your language. You are able to improve your confidence in the language. You are also able to improve your ability to think on your feet, which is very important when you are talking to someone, especially in a foreign language. And the question you can ask yourself is, well, how can you practice this? There are a few ways. So you can talk to yourself. For example, just whenever you have the chance, I tend to do this when I am taking a walk or when I am in the car. I'll usually just talk to myself either aloud, as in with my actual voice, or I will talk to myself in my head. 
it doesn't really it doesn't really matter which one you actually use the most important thing is that you actually talk to yourself there's also a second uh, option which is to talk to yourself in front of a mirror so that you can see yourself you can also record yourself if you want to it doesn't really matter both are uh, both are equally valid but some people find it to be very uncomfortable to record themselves even though it is very helpful in my opinion Another option would also be to find someone to talk with. Now, this person doesn't actually have to speak the language. They could just be a passive listener. And they could give you feedback on if they thought you were talking very fluidly, if they thought you were being kind of nervous. Even if they don't actually speak the language that you are learning, they are kind of a token representation of a speaker that you could talk to in this language. So go out and try and see if you can find someone who will practice with you even if they don't speak it perfectly because the more practice you have then the better. Today we just have one expression and that is to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And the reason why I choose this expression is because it ties in with the first part of this podcast. And why is that? This expression comes from, I believe, some German dialect. And this expression does exist in German. However, it is considered to be very archaic and very odd. And it is almost never used in German. Although it does exist and it is actually from Germany. It is, however, used very often in English. At least in the US. I'm not exactly sure about the UK and it basically means that you throw out the good with the bad so the bad being the bathwater and the good being the baby and if someone wants to criticize you for throwing the good out with the bad they might say don't throw the baby out with the bathwater thank you so much for listening to this episode that's all I have for you today if you like this episode, then please subscribe. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, then feel free to contact me. My information is in the episode. With that being said, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and please come back tomorrow. All right, bye.